0: Okay, so this morning we're going to carry on with what we started last week, really, is kind of a two-part study looking at the body of Christ. And our theme is discerning the body, uh, understanding what the body of Christ really is. Um, Now, last week, we started by looking at a warning to the body. We, We see a number of examples in Scripture where one part of the children of Israel, we looked at the example last time with Achan, we see examples in the New Testament where just one individual can cause so many problems within a body. And um, of course we've been reminded this week of how just one problem in a body can cause so much pain and suffering to the whole. So we'll come back and look at some of that in a moment. Then I want to go on this morning just to look at an exhortation. So last week very much was looking at what the body shouldn't do. And then this week, we'll be talking a little bit about what the body should be doing and and understanding, in a sense, our own place within the body of Christ. So let's just bow our hearts, shall we? Father, we do just commit this time to you. Lord, as always, we just appeal to your goodness and grace to open our eyes, to give us understanding. Lord, for your Holy Spirit to be here right now in our midst to help us to see spiritual things. Lord, the Word, your Word, tells us that the natural man, the natural mind, does not receive the things of the Spirit of God nor can he know them. And yet, Lord, we have been born again of your Spirit. So we pray that our eyes would be open and that your Spirit would bring us into remembrance of the things that you said. And Lord, just give us understanding of your Word, that these things would impact our lives, change us, change the way we think. We give you this time now in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so last time, as I said, we were looking at the fact that um, we are, of course, many members, but one body. Uh, we started looking in Corinthians, a number of portions of scripture there that just remind us that we are a body as believers. And of course, in one sense, that's looking at the whole church, but it also can break down to a, a fellowship of believers. We are here, a body of believers together. And again, there's that warning um, that we should examine ourselves, particularly in regard to communion. Why is that so important? Well, because we're reminded in First Corinthians 10 that when we are celebrating communion, we are celebrating the body, the body of Christ. What is the body of Christ? We are the body of Christ. And we're celebrating what Christ has accomplished for us, the work that he's done. And so it's important that when we come and celebrate communion together, that there isn't things that are in our lives or hearts or minds that would stop us coming into his presence as uh, we've mentioned a number of times, Psalm 66 verse 18 tells us that if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear. You know, and again, it's because God is a, a, a perfect, holy, righteous God. He can't allow sin into his presence. And so if part of the body is sinning in a place of unconfessed sin. And, and again, let me just, just to remind you, we were saying last week, with the example of Saul and David. I mean, you list the sins of Saul on one side. You list the sins of David. David's sins seem to way outweigh those of Saul's that we have recorded in Scripture. But the 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 difference was the heart. Saul became very indifferent. David, though he sinned much, he repented much. He had a heart after God. It grieved him when he sinned. You know, and we ended last week by simply saying, you know, if you are in a place. Where you have unconfessed sin in your life, deal with it for the sake of the body here. Don't allow it to persist. If you need prayer, come speak to someone. We pray together. Don't let those things persist. And it can be on on any level. You know, we struggle with the world, the flesh, the devil. Those are the three things specifically. And sometimes people feel they're being attacked by Satan, and maybe that's the case. But very often it's our own flesh. It's our own fallen, human, sinful natures that lead us into a place away from God. And sometimes it's the pressures of the world. And look, who here this morning doesn't have pressure in their lives? You know, wh- whatever your circumstance, whether you have a day job, if you do, you'll have pressure. If you're a stay-at-home mom, you'll have pressure. You know, whatever your, your daily environment, you will have pressure in one way or another. That's the world we live in. And it seems to have got worse. I don't know really whether it has. You know we, we tend to see our own particular situation. Was it any different for the disciples in the New Testament? Did they have less pressure? I don't know. We, we know where we are and we know that we all experience pressure. So all of these things are are against us in a sense, and we need to keep our eyes on Jesus as we sung this morning. Now I just want to just turn I just want to show you something from Hebrews. This is something that we nearly did this week at Bible study, but um, I, I just just felt not too in time, but clearly now, I think it's for this morning. Okay, so this is just a a study I did. Okay, in the book of Hebrews, throughout the book, there's five warnings that are listed there. And it's a kind of progression uh, that we see. The first warning is, in our faith, not to drift. Because it's very easy to drift because of pressures, because of circumstances and so on. You know, and in in, um, the Old Testament, you find with the children of Israel as they were journeying, It was the stragglers at the back of the camp that got picked off. They were the ones that the enemies of Israel targeted. So we need to be very careful that we don't drift. We've got to stay within the body. We've got to stay connected to each other. Don't allow circumstances to pull you away from things of God. And even things like meeting together, wherever there's that opportunity, we should take that that occasion and, and meet together. And as we're told in Hebrews, even more as we see the day approaching. Because the danger is we can drift. It's so easy to do. You know, and there's a great line, how, how will you escape if you neglect so great a salvation? And ultimately, the, the writer of the Hebrews isn't talking specifically just about salvation. It's more about sanctification, the theme through the book. The, the second thing that really follows on from drifting is disobedience. You become slightly disconnected from the body in one way or another. And then disobedience kind of willful decisions, doing things that you know aren't quite right. And it always starts off as something seemingly innocuous. But ultimately it's sin, it's rebellion against God. So that's another issue there. Another one, failing to mature. We get in chapter 5 of Hebrews on to, through chapter 6. You know, there's a real warning there that we should be maturing. You know, ask yourself this morning, where were you a year ago? Where are you now in your Christian life? Are you growing can you honestly look at your Christian life and say that yes, you're in a, a better place than you were? I mean, the truth is, you might be under more pressure and more stress and the circumstances may be seemingly weighed up against you. But you should be closer to Jesus than you were a year ago. If you're not, why not? What is it that stopped that happening? And it's a real danger. And these often are a, a progression. It doesn't have to be. Sometimes you know, one of these things can you know, take it precedence. But failing to mature is a really big problem within a body. You know, just, 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 just think of it in a natural sense. If part of your body didn't develop in the way that it should, you know, it would cause all sorts of medical problems for you. Then, of course, we get to that willful sin, and that's way beyond just disobedience. That's intentionally doing things, almost that uh, stubbornness of the human nature where we just go, "Well, whatever," and we just do something almost out of resorting to a place. <laughs> where we feel comfortable, where we feel the pressure will ease. You know, The people often get into drink or drugs or addictions or whatever because they find a comfort there. Because they find that it helps them to disconnect from the reality of the circumstances. But, you know, as Christians, we should be in Christ. And, and we shouldn't need anything that we resort to to ease the pressure. Because we should be going to Jesus. And Jesus is more than more than just an answer to any problem that we experience. But that whole idea is that willful sin where I think Psalms sixteen, David says, How say you unto my soul, flee as a bird to your mountain? You know, I told on him that once before here and said that you know mountains often are in scripture seen as kingdoms. And, and I think what David was saying there is, how can you say to, you know, him speaking to himself, say to my soul, flee as a bird to your kingdom, your place where you are in control? Because the comparison is that we should go into to God's place. And of course, Data David will tell us that he desires to be in the house of God. That's what he wants most, not his own kingdom, not where he rules. Yeah, you know, we need to be so careful that we don't willfully sin by allowing ourselves to go to a place Maybe it's bitterness. Sometimes we let emotions and feelings kind of come in and they can almost make us feel comfortable. Sometimes it's easier being angry and and frustrated with the world and with other people. And then the last one is probably the worst of all, which is indifference. What a horrible place to be as a Christian, where you come to a place where you're indifferent. That's where Saul had got to. That's the contrast between David and Saul. Saul had become indifferent. He just really wasn't bothered about the things of God anymore. I'll just share those with you. I'll, I'll put that um, slide up in the, the notes this evening. You know, in Matthew 6, we have an exaltation which sometimes people struggle with. But in the context of what we're talking about here this morning, it makes a lot of sense. Matthew 5, 29 and 30. Uh, it just simply says, Jesus speaking, says, If you're right, I offend you, pluck it out. And cast it from you. For it's profitable for you that one of your members should perish, then that the whole body should be cast into hell. And if your right hand offend you, cut it off and cast it from you. For it's profitable for you that one of thy members should perish, and not that the whole body should be cast into hell. Now, we're not talking about somebody sinning and the whole church ending up in a state of whatever. But the point is very clear. Jesus says, you are better cutting off a part of the body if it's preventing you having a relationship with God. And so as we move on now, the the, the point we made last week is if as part of this body you're in a place where you are struggling with sin and you're, the, the, you're starting to become indifferent to it, well, please come, share, talk. Just pray. Ask God to change your heart because the impact that has on the body, you may not see in the natural realm. But I can assure you it has an impact in the the spiritual realm. Okay, so let's move on to then what should we be doing as a body? Turn with me, if you will, to the book of Ephesians. Because there's a number of ways that we can answer this, but really they they come to the same place. In Ephesians chapter 5, Paul, as he does, starts off a sentence and then goes off on a tangent and then eventually comes back to conclude his sentence. There's a lot of kind of parenthesis in Paul's uh, speaking, the way he he records these things. And chapter 5 of Ephesians starts off and just says, Paul speaking, Be you therefore followers of God. The the idea in the the Greek is to to mimic, to, to imitate God. We should be imitators of God. We should look and see how God is. And that's how we should desire to be. It says, be you therefore followers, imitators of God as dear children and walk in love. As Christ also has loved us and has given himself for us as an offering and as a sacrifice to God for a sweet smelling savor. Christ has done that for God. He's given himself for us, for notice, and as a sacrifice to God. So Jesus did what he did out of obedience to his Father for us. And that, that in itself is still just an incredible thing. And, and this would be one of those that Spurgeon we just spend the entire morning just on that line that Jesus gave himself for us. You know, this puts us this morning in a totally different category than the people in the world. You know, we can't judge ourselves by their standards or by the problems and issues and how they cope with things. We're in a very different position because Jesus, the one who created all things, sustains all things, ultimately the judge of all things, gave himself for you and for me because of the love that he had for us. And again, He did it as a sacrifice to God. And like we see with the sacrifices in the Old Testament, it'd be something that was pleasing and acceptable to God. But then Paul goes on and he gives us a whole list of the the don'ts, in a sense, but don't let fornication, uncleanness, and all those things. Don't let them be named among you. And he goes through the rest of the chapter. When we get to verse 21, he kind of gets back on track. And that's not to say that that section is not important. It's all extremely important. But you can almost draw a line from verse 2 to verse 21 to complete the opening statement. Let me just read those verses, verse 1, 2, and then 21. It goes, Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children, and walk in love as Christ also has loved us and has given himself for us as an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling Savior. And then for us, it's submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. You see, Jesus did what he did, willing to submit to the Father. And then the, the challenge and the call for each of us is that we should submit ourselves one to another in the fear of God. Because of who God is. Now, it goes on and speaks about wives submitting to their husbands and, and so on. And a lot of people have a real problem with this. Because of the way the world understands the idea of Submitting. But when you understand what submitting is all about, it's not a problem. Because the idea is sub as something that's underneath, like submarines. So the sub is underneath. And the, this last part of the word comes from the same root as we have for, for mission. So it's getting under each other's mission. That's what we should be doing. So this is saying that as Christ got under God's mission for us and gave himself because he loved us, so we, in the same way, following this example, we should get under each other's mission. Again, in the fear of God. Now, the big question there is, do we even understand what each other's missions are? Another way we can term mission, in a sense, is ministry. It's that which God has called us to as individuals. Now, some of us may not even understand our own ministry. Some of us may be in the place where they think, well, I don't have a ministry. Well, not true. You do. You just may be not, not aware of it yet. You see, we need to understand the whole idea of ministry, mission in a sense, so that we can understand what it is that we're supporting and encouraging and helping with each other. And often we use these terms, minister and so on, and ministry. And they can conjure up all sorts of strange ideas. So let's just, just kind of break it down. What is ministry? Well, in essence, being a minister, the dictionary definition is someone who attends to people's needs. So it follows that a ministry is the carrying out of jobs or whatever that we do in order to attend to those needs. And more specifically for a Christian... Christian ministry will be the the jobs that we do in or for the church in order to meet the needs of both those inside and those outside of the church. So the main purpose of Christian ministry, what we do as a body, is to bring those outside the church into a relationship with Jesus Christ. Once that's achieved, the objective is then to teach and equip these individuals, so they can build and live their lives based upon the word of God. And as a result, we nurture those people so that they too then will get involved in ministry. And it continues until the time that the Lord re- returns to his church. Now, once again, in regard to ministry, Paul says to Timothy, no one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. You know, Paul actually speaks of this life as a warfare. And we have a job to do as Christians, as part of the body. And so, because we have a job to do, the warning is there, don't get distracted by other things. So, let me ask you this morning, what is your ministry, and how are you making sure that you don't get sidetracked from that? Of course, there are many different areas, and Paul in 1 Corinthians 11, 12, 13, and so on, speaks a lot, good chapters to go and read as a bit of background study to what we're saying this morning. A lot about ministry and gifts and so on that the Lord gives. In 1 Corinthians 12, verse 4, Paul says there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are the differences of ministries, but the same Lord. There are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. You see, we are all part of one body, we've all got different things to do. But all of that is working together. And again, Scripture presents Christ as our head, and each individual Christian is making up part of that body. As so it's therefore necessary if the body's going to function properly, that we all do what we're supposed to do. You know, and, and this isn't a case of looking at what one part does and wishing you could do that instead. You know, Paul makes the point that sometimes the, the least parts of the body perform the most important functions. And of the verse we looked at last week from First Corinthians 12, if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. Or if one member is honoured, all the members rejoice with it. This is now you are the body of Christ, and members individually. Just speaking about how we are accountable to each other, not just in, in terms of our purity, which we looked at last week, but in terms of what we actually do. So not just in what we don't do, but in what we do do, we're also accountable to each other. First Corinthians twelve twelve says, "For as the body is one and has many members." all the members of that one body being many are one body so also is Christ so all believers are expected to be involved in some sort of ministry Now, regardless of how mundane it may appear on the surface or glamorous it may appear that's not the point you know whatever you've been called to do For a start, we're told that we should do it as unto the Lord. And what a privilege that any of us will be given a job by the Lord to serve in his body. And it's not just serving him, it's serving each other. That's the purpose of what we're doing. We're ministering to each other. You know, and we move back to that theme we were talking about from Ephesians about submitting to each other getting under each other's missions. Because actually, we all actually have the same mission. is to see Jesus glorified and to see people come to know him and it's for us to grow in grace, those things. So really, our goal is the same, whatever ministry we have. Turn with me, if you will, to the book of Acts. Acts chapter 6. The beginning of Acts chapter 6, we read of a a situation that occurred in the early church. This is a great example of ministry and how individuals can get under each other's ministry, supporting each other's ministry. Again, for the purposes we've said. So, beginning of chapter 6 of the book of Acts, it says, And in those days, when the number of the disciples was multiplied, there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. So as the food is being distributed, the Hebrews seemingly were getting the the, the food given out to them, but the the Grecian, particularly the Grecian widows here, were being neglected. So verse 2 says, Then the twelve called the multitude of disciples unto them and said, It is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Is Is this pride on their part? Are they saying we don't want to do the menial tasks? We don't want to wait on tables? We we want to do the... No, no, no. It's not that at all. You see, the purpose of all the ministries that we have within the body is to glorify our head, glorify Jesus, to bring people into a relationship with him. And they're saying, look, we've got this calling that the Lord has given us, but we're finding ourselves hindered. Because we're doing this instead of what we've been called to do. Wherefore, brethren, in verse three, we read, Look you out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. There's a number of things we can we can draw out of this straight away. Firstly, how important it is to have within any fellowship people that are given continually to prayer. You know, and and I praise God that in every fellowship I've ever been aware of, there are people that are, to some degree, housebound, but who pray. Growing up, I was blessed so much by people back in Deal, some of the elderly folk of the congregation there, who couldn't get out, couldn't do an awful lot. Oh, but boy, did they pray. And what a difference it made. You know, you were going through some difficult trial or circumstance, and Sunday morning they just come up to you, put their hand on your shoulder, and say, Barry, I've been praying for you this week. What an encouragement! What a ministry. Talk about getting under each other's mission. What a high calling that is to be given continually to prayer. But notice the, the groups that are, are called out here and the qualifications. Because what's happening here is they're looking out people to wait on tables just to go and serve. You know, often you'd think that the natural mind would tell us that we don't need particularly qualified people as long as they're not particularly clumsy and spill things, you know. But what do we get? Look at the criteria for ministry. Whatever it is. Look you out among you seven men of honest reports. So the first thing... They've got to be people of integrity. But then full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom. Do you realize how much danger this group of seven men could have done if they didn't have wisdom? If they didn't have integrity? If they weren't full of the Holy Ghost? Do you realize the damage that could have been done within the early church? If this little rift had started to occur between the Hebrews and the Grecians, had been allowed to carry on. If these men decided they were gonna prefer one group instead of another, could you imagine the danger? We'd have been looking at a, a church split. What would have happened to the body of Christ, the early church at this point, at this very early stage? No, 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 the the little jobs need to be the ones where we have people that are full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. Because whatever we're doing, it can have a profound effect on the body. You know, I've spoken over the last seven or eight years to a number of different Calvary pastors, and it's amazing how many problems they've had to deal with in their church that have come about because of just small, petty disputes over something that was really largely irrelevant. But unfortunately, there were people that were lacking in wisdom. Maybe some of them that were not full of the Holy Ghost. And problems came in. And they started infecting the whole body. Just see how important it is that whatever ministry you have, you should be going to the Lord first and foremost and saying, Lord, Help me to be honest. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. Give me wisdom. doesn't matter what you're doing. Every little thing we do has a big impact on the whole body. As a result of this, of course the disciples are able to get on with the ministry. We read in verse 5, and the saying pleased the whole multitude and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Ghost. And Philip and Procurus, and Nicor, and Timon, and, I'm mispronouncing all of these, aren't I? But Parmenas, Nicolás, a proselyte of Antioch, whom they set before the apostles, and when they had prayed, now that's a good thing, and maybe that's something we've missed. Maybe we don't do enough of that, praying with each other in the ministries and the things we have. But they laid hands on them. Why why lay hands? What does that mean? Well, we talked a little bit about this before. When you lay hands on someone, you're identifying with them. When the priests in the Old Testament would lay their hands upon an animal, it was to identify themselves with this animal that was about to be slaughtered in their place. So laying hands on somebody is acknowledging that they are doing something in your place. Ultimately, it's committing to get under their ministry. To submit to each other. So again, they laid hands on them and verse 7 says, and look look at the result. And the word of God increased and the number of disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly. Was this something special the Lord did just for them? No, I don't believe it was. I believe it's something the Lord would do in any congregation that gets these basic building blocks right. Do we recognize that we are a body, that everything we do affects everyone else, that every single ministry? You know, there's so many little things as well that we can do. Just on a Sunday morning, for example, I know we could pick a whole load of different things, but somebody that maybe just walks around to make sure there's no cups left where they shouldn't be. Is that an important ministry? Do you need to be full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom? Yes, you do. Because if you're not full of the Holy Spirit, those little things you can very easily become resentful of. And, oh, why should I have to do this? So you need to be full of the Spirit because you need God's grace. But also you need wisdom to realize the, the impact those little things could have. Because something as little as things being left where they shouldn't be on a Sunday morning could have a knock-on effect that the school get to the point of saying, look, we're fed up. Every Sunday you leave things where they shouldn't be and we have to light it up and all of a sudden we find we don't have a building to meet in. As an extreme example, maybe, but not impossible. One little thing could have a big impact. And we can, we can extrapolate into every single thing that we do. Everything you do here on a Sunday morning, everything we do during the week for each other has an impact, a big impact. And look, when these things are done as unto the Lord, when every ministry that we have, be it encouragement, praying for each other, practically supporting each other, whatever those things are, we need to be full of the Holy Spirit. We need to have wisdom. We need to be of honest report. And then of course we go on to see with Stephen that this menial task that he was given in no way hampered his ability to serve God. It wasn't that Stephen was like, oh, well they've chosen me to wait on tables, well that's it, I can't do it. No, no, no. Stephen was faithful in serving how God had called him to serve. But used every opportunity because within a few verses, we read verse 8, and Stephen, full of faith and power, did, did great wonders and miracles among the people. You see, it doesn't limit you if you serve in a way that maybe isn't noticed as much. It doesn't limit you to serving God in all sorts of other ways. I remember years ago, Christian singer-songwriter Larry Norman was over in this country, and there was a, a seminar speaking, and somebody just said to him, how can I serve God? How can I serve God more? And Larry Norman, anybody that you're familiar with him will probably understand his it. kind of the way he approached it. But he sat there and thought for a moment and just said, and this was a young person that was asking a question, and he just said, tidy up your room. He said, Your mum and dad have been asking you to do it for months. He said, But serve God in the little things, and when you've been faithful in those things, God will give you something else to do. Well, isn't that a great example here with Stephen? Faithful in the little things, and then God gives him something else to do as well. and, and Stephen ends up debating of the Sanhedrin. You know, g- g- taking the, the gospel and actually revealing many things. Actually, we're very grateful to Stephen because the things he reveals that the Old Testament doesn't actually clarify as much. and he, he gives real clarity to some of those things. A brilliant sermon that he gives. What a blessed man, blessed individual he was. But he was full of wisdom, full of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, you know, God will... Use us wherever he places us. You know, and understand again that our ways are not God's ways. God's ways are above our ways. You know, at the point that Stephen was in that, that role of accepting that, that calling initially, he had no idea what was about to come in his life. I believe the sons of Korah in Psalm 84 said, I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. What a blessing it is to have somebody on the door greeting people as they come in. What a great ministry that is. You know, we all have these parts to play. Once again, we shouldn't do what we do to try and receive praise and congratulations from each other. Oh, it's good that we encourage, absolutely, and that is a ministry in and of itself. Matthew 6 deals with, and I read all the text out but ultimately that when we do things we shouldn't do it to, to seek man's approval or reward we just do it for our father who sees in secret and will himself reward us openly you know and whatever the lord calls you to do whatever your ministry well as I say do it the scripture says unto the lord Jesus as we know humbled himself became a man of suffering in obedience to his father. We're also told in Philippians chapter 2, verse 14, do all things without complaining and disputing, without murmuring. James says, don't speak evil one of another, brethren. And again, he says, don't grumble against one another, brethren, lest you be condemned. But all of that can be summed up in that Verse we started with, Therefore do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Submitting to one another in the fear of the Lord. Again, getting under each other's missions. So we need to understand what each other's missions are, what each other's ministries are. We need to recognize and look and see. It's not just a, a, the job for the pastor to look at what ministries are here. We can all see what people do. We need to get under those things. Let me just give you where we are so far in case I've lost any of you. So we don't tolerate sin in the body. We understand individually that we have ministries and we do them with the wisdom and the power of God through his Holy Spirit for Jesus. But then each of us recognize each other's ministries and look for any possible way that we can get under and support to submit to each other. You know, if you see someone carrying a heavy load, help them. Years ago, I remember when I was playing in bands, there was a, uh, we, we, we were a, a band, a Christian band, and there was a, uh, we had a coffee bar once a month in Deal, and there was this other Christian band that came. And, and they kind of really kind of just opened our eyes a little bit because they came with their van, and they came to unload all the equipment, and nobody carried anything on their own even things that were relatively light, they could have done, everybody did everything together. It was amazing. They were bearing each other's burdens. They were submitting to each other, getting under each other's wishes. Everybody helped everybody. We had a meeting with the the team that set up every Sunday morning a few weeks ago. And we were just talking about some of these things, saying, you know, when we're moving stuff around, you know, if you see someone about to go help them, just do it with them. And it's not just about helping ease the burden, but there's a beautiful part of fellowship that comes in when you go and help someone. It's lovely when you're doing something and somebody comes alongside you. Is there anything I can do to help? You know, and and even more than just asking that question, it's actually looking for opportunities. And and this is something that my mum taught me when when I was young. And it was very simple, that we were never allowed to go upstairs if there was something on the stairs and leave it there. So if mum had been shopping and there was some new toiletries for the bathroom or there's something that had been washed or ironed it had been left on the stairs to go up, we weren't allowed to go upstairs and leave it on the stairs. We had to take it with us and put it in the respective room where it was going to go. And this became a very simple thing because the point is, if you left it, you're leaving it for someone else to do. If we could just learn that principle, I think we grasp what... Paul tells us in Galatians 6 verse 2, which simply says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Let's look to see how we can help each other. And I would encourage you on a daily basis to think, well, how have I helped or blessed someone in the fellowship today? How have I submitted, got under their mission today? And if you can't think of any specific way, then just pray for them because that's effective. You know, as one body, it matters what kind of day you're having to me. It matters what kind of week you've had. Because if you're suffering, if you're struggling, guess what? It affects the body. We need to be there for each other. And if there's nothing on a practical level we can do, well, there's all sorts of things on a spiritual level, and certainly praying for each other regularly, And I praise God because I think as a fellowship, there is an awful lot of that that goes on. And I'm so blessed to be in a fellowship where people genuinely do pray for each other. And it's lovely that we've now got this WhatsApp thingy, whatever, prayer network going, that we can instantly know what's going on and be praying. But all those things, you know, even that, what a a ministry, not a big thing but a ministry that that Pete's just taken on and done that. Thank you for that. every one of us, different things the Lord will do through us and with us. you know again just that don't leave something for somebody else to do if you can do it if you can help. yeah you know, I'm truly blessed to see you know Peter and I often bring other people to prayer meeting that maybe won't be able to drive themselves. Or to Bible studies. You know, and and that's, you're not the only couple to do that. Other people do those things, and that's lovely. It's looking how we can help each other. What can we do for each other? Because we need to recognize again that if we are part of a body here, everything we do impacts everyone else. You're not just living your Christian life in isolation. And again, if any of us are suffering or struggling... Well, then share it, because we want to help. Proverbs 17, verse 3, reminds us, it tells us, that the refining pot is for silver and the furnace for gold, but the Lord tests the hearts. You know, we've gone through, we're going through a challenging time as a fellowship. A number of people in different circumstances and situations. Maybe some of this the Lord has allowed just to bring our attention back onto this very fundamental biblical principle that we're a body. That we're all together going through these things. You can't just dissociate yourself from it. That what you do in a negative way would affect the body, but also what you do in a positive way will affect the body. And and go back to that, that bit in Acts which just reminds us of the results. Of being one body, all working together, every part doing its share. I mean, again, Ephesians is a great book that talks about the body. Let's go back there in closing. We read in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 onwards. And he, speaking of Jesus, gave some within the church to be apostles. Originally, the apostles were those that had actually met with Jesus. Some prophets. Some evangelists. You know, we're not all, all of these things, but there are some that have these callings. Some pastors, teachers. And notice the reason that God gives these gifts. For the perfecting of the saints. For the work of the ministry. And notice for the edifying of the body of Christ. Till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man. A complete body is what it's saying. Unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine. By the side of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lay in wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love may grow up, all of us may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which, look at this, every joint supplies Every single joint in the body is important here. According to the effectual working in the measure of every part. Making increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. And that's what it's all about. It's about that love. As we started in Ephesians 5.2, walk in love. To love each other, and the way we love each other is by submitting to each other, by getting under each other's ministries, helping each other, praying for each other, supporting, loving each other. It's about our hearts, Father. We thank you for this reminder last weekend. This that we are a body together. Oh, and Lord, how precious each individual member of the body is. Father, help us to personally seek you to understand what our calling, our mission is. Help us, Lord, to then seek the filling to overflowing of your Holy Spirit. That, Lord, we may conduct ourselves in the ministries you've called us to with wisdom, with integrity, recognizing, Lord, the impact on the whole body of the ministries you've given us. And then, Lord, as a a collective body, help us to then support and get under each other's missions, to help each other wherever we can, to pray for each other and to love each other. Oh, Lord, give us a greater love for each other than we've ever known. Lord, may we be a healthy body. Father, we ask by your grace that that will be in the physical, but, Lord, we pray especially in the spiritual. That we would be spiritually healthy. And that Lord, as a result, you would do wonderful things through this fellowship. That Lord, the word of God would increase and those that don't yet know you would come to know you as their Lord and Savior. Because Lord, we want to do all that we do unto you. We just thank you for this time this morning. Impress these things upon our hearts, we pray now. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, may God richly bless you through this week. Let's go and have some fellowship over teas and coffees together.